Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's what's your your weird story? Hello, Weirdsville. How's everybody doing? It is time once again for the What's Your Weird Story podcast with me, Adam Beebe, and with Mr. Barry Johnston. What's happening? How's it going? Uh, it is going, it's going pretty good, man. How are you? Good. It's, uh, we got fall within like, uh, a matter of, uh, seconds yesterday. We got, uh, <laughs> just hit with really cold weather and, uh, and rain, which is fine by me. It's been a long summer, been a hot one. And, uh, so yeah, it's been nice. It's, uh, kind of dreary out, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, 40, I think the high, uh, last time I looked, it was 47 degrees. So we went from, you know, 90s to uh, pretty chilly here in the heartland. But it's nice, man. I enjoy it. So, And I know that uh, I think the heat's kind of kicked up by you a little bit from what I saw. Well, you know, it's, I guess it's that dog days of summer. You know, it's like the very end. Um, it's gotten back into the uh, upper 80s this week. But I think it's also partly because of your cold front yeah um, this crazy cold front that came down yeah it's weird who knows and by the time that this goes out who knows what it'll be, the weather yeah. will be like no kidding so yeah but yeah man it's you know i mean i'm i'm looking forward to the fall yeah. i embrace the fall i like the fall it's my second favorite of the seasons uh winter being my favorite i'm one of those people yeah um you know i'm very warm uh, blooded, yeah. very warm natured. So I like the cool. I like the cold. I like it because you know you can always put on more clothes yeah. when you're cold. That's right. When it's hot, you can only take off to your you know to yes. your skin. You it's know? true. And the older and, I get, the yeah. heat just sucks it out of me, man. Yeah, dude. You know. Yeah. I hear you. Um. So yeah, man. What else is new? Oh, just uh, just staying busy, man. Um. Got lots of stuff going on, you know, kids are back to school, yep. playing sports, doing all that kind of stuff, and uh, and also you and I have been, we've been kind of working on the behind the scenes stuff. Um, That's true. So we kind of want to talk about that a little bit. We got, uh, we're revamping the way that we are doing this podcast, not, not, not with the content or our production or anything like that, but more on the, on the back side of things, how yeah. things are getting put out to people. Yeah, the behind the scenes, the really, it's like, you know, everything, we're, the, the show's going to be the same, everything, we're going to just, we're going to tell stories, we're going to be doing it all, it'll, you know, just everything's the same, it's just, we're going to be doing more um, hands-on, behind the scenes work as far as distributing and getting our stuff out and making sure it gets everywhere, because we've had some, uh, you know, we've run into some stuff, some difficulties, yeah. And uh, technical problems that we could fix, but it took, you know, longer than we wanted. Plus, you know, hopefully it saves us a little money because, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, podcasting, you know, it's 
it's free to listen to uh, but it costs us a little bit of money to bring this to you. So, yep. um, so yeah, we're just looking for a more efficient way to to really to do it. So. Yeah, we've had a third party handle everything for us so far, and it was great up until a certain point, and then it it gets to the point where we need things done, and 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 people don't get back to us in a timely manner, and so we're kind of trying to you know we're trying to make the next leap in uh, yeah in control, and it'll be good. It'll be good, yeah. and and. Uh, we're also still working on uh, Spin Jammerama, which is yeah. uh, it's something that you and I have been, you know, trying to figure out how to do, do it right, do it the proper way. And so mm-hmm. we're kind of revamping that also. Yeah, we are. That's one of these one of the good things about what we're going to do behind the scenes is it's going to give us the opportunity to do Spin Jammerama right it's going to allow us to put it out as its own separate entity podcast. So we'll be doing two podcasts at some point. It still won't be a weekly thing. It'll be a little less frequent, but hopefully we'll be able to make uh, more episodes. Um, And we're also, we're, we've, we're doing a change of format on that show where it's going to be just us talking about music. So it might be one week where we're doing a, album review and listening to bands that we haven't we're not too familiar with or it could be that we have a discussion of our top five elvis songs or it could be that we have some buddies on from bands Um, just all sorts of fun things making it more of a a mixtape rather than a straightforward just you know review type yeah yeah we'll still do that but um but yeah because we can talk forever about stuff so it's yeah, it's cool. Yeah. We're just loosening it up a little bit, and uh, on regular basis, you and I talk about music and stuff. Um, and so, I think the idea is is sort of taking off some of the reins and, and letting that be kind of what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah, and to be more organic. And you know, I mean, often you know, like Barry will shoot me a text, and he'll have his uh, a screen cap of uh, of his Spotify. That he's listened to, and this is my new obsession, you know. Yeah. And so I'll and I'll do the same. I'll yeah. send him a link to a YouTube video for some, you know, some, some band or something. So, so yeah. So you know that we, you've got that to look forward to, and just more of the same good usual stuff from us uh, in the regular format of what's your weird story, and uh, more of our guests and more of our friends popping back up. Yeah. As they tend to do, are from some of our, our favorite storytellers. You know, we keep everything going on, and that kind of leads to uh, to what we've got today. That's right. Uh, we've got uh, I. Uh, we've got it's a riot. It's a riot. Uh, <laughs> I predict a riot. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, <laughs> we've and, got and Sam is in the middle of it. <laughs> Sam is always Sam is always in the middle of the riot. <laughs> yeah. So our buddy Sam is back once again. And this time, um, he's going to be sharing some stories of some riots that he has found himself involved in, um, not necessarily as a participant, but more as an observer. Yeah. And, um, you know, and there's some, it's really cool, it's really interesting, considering a lot of the the fact that we are, in our country, having a lot of riots that are happening now, although... It's more protest rather than riots, you know. And Sam also was more involved in more kind of like protest rather than riots. So, you know, and I think we really need to understand that, especially for what's happening in our country at the t- this time. Most of the protest 
like I think I saw a thing where it said 93% of all the recent Black Lives Matter type protests have been peaceful, completely peaceful. So all of the, you know, the rioting and all of the um, looting and all of that stuff has really been blown out of proportion by, you know, all the media because that's what gets people's eyeballs on to watch, you know. So nobody wants to watch a bunch of uh, people sitting around um, politely and singing songs. You know, they want to see, you know, people going ape shit. So, right. yep, yep, that's the media. So, yeah, yeah. So, hey, you know. That's uh, what we're cashing in on with Sam coming here to 100%. give us some, his <laughs> ape shit riot stories. So. Absolutely. So, Sam, buddy, always, always a pleasure to have you on. What's your weird story? I've been overseas since 2002, and, and I just I run into the occasional events of uh, civil unrest and protestations, and uh, I... Definitely not the kind of person who avoids them. I'm going to jump in head first. Uh, I've been involved in them in, in Korea and in Thailand and Egypt. I've been shot at. I've been tear gassed. I've been subjected to looking at a man's testicles. Uh, just the normal <laughs> things that happen that protest. <laughs> of course. T- testicles totally. are, yeah, testicles are usually, uh, I, I don't, that's the first I've heard of uh, protesting in testicles. Well, the, the, the testicles will come out a little later. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll start out my <laughs> as often they do. <laughs> uh. Well, my my first protest came about uh, my first summer in Korea, um, and it, it was it was a very odd year when I I first got over there in in January thirty first oh two. The Winter Olympics had happened around that time, and Koreans got very anti-American because uh, and I don't I don't follow sports in general. I definitely don't follow the Olympics and all their pseudo sports and games. But uh, one of the speed the short track speed skating events had led to this American named Ono, who had called out a Korean who'd broken a rule. And he brought attention to it, so the judges made sure to see it, and the guy got disqualified. And so at that point, they hated Ono, and they were very angry at America, but they, they kept that on the back burner for a while. But it kept coming up a lot. Just anytime they'd say, oh, no, you knew what they were talking about. Had I not been there, I wouldn't have had any idea what this mess was. Yeah. They're hosting the World Cup that summer, co-hosting with Japan. <clears throat> and it's a big event. Nobody expects Korea to do very well. Uh, in, including Korea, but they end up making it in the quarterfinals, which is pretty unheard of. Now, again, I'm an American, so I obviously do not follow soccer, but I was there in the middle of this giant event. Uh, that was a some, oh no, it'd be several years later before I learned that we actually had a, a soccer, major league soccer in America. Um, but they they were angrier at us. The, the Olympic thing didn't go well, and then we kind of killed two middle school girls, and that did not go over even worse or well mm-hmm. uh, before the world that. cup <laughs> well, we, we've got like thirty-two thousand soldiers over there uh-huh. uh, air, air force and army uh used to be a little navy way down south i, I think they're gone but in up in the far north like if, if you ever watch mash they they often mention weijongbu and that's still like a big city for our soldiers um and there's there's two middle school girls were on their way to a birthday party, walking down the street, got run over by a military convoy. Mm. Oh. And 
But the problem, there, there, there's issues on both sides because, I mean, these girls lived in the area. Like the, the U.S. Army did not just show up that day and they'd never seen it before. They lived around this. Uh, so that was very weird. Uh, our, on our side, they didn't get hit by the first vehicle in the convoy. These slow moving, like 10 to 15 miles an hour convoy. You know, there, there were tanks in the convoy. They, they got uh, nailed by a bridge laying tank that was moving at 10 to 15 miles an hour. Mm. This particular tank, its comm system was down. But again, it was not the first vehicle in the convoy. And somehow, whatever had passed before, they got in the way. It, it makes no sense. The road, they could have stepped off to the side. And it's a stranger, they both got hit by a slow-moving tank. Yeah. There was not at the, the convoy. So none of this cover-up. Oh, exactly. None of it made any sense. And nobody in Korea cared because the two girls were dead. So screw America, screw the military. And they were very, very almost up in arms over it. But they're like, oh, we're hosting, we're hosting co-hosts in the World Cup. Let's, let's just shh, shh, quiet. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest thing we've done since the '88 Olympics, which really put us on the world stage. So we we don't we don't want to come off as being like some angry hotheads. So we'll. So the Olympics went down. Area, sorry, the, the World Cup went down, and it was amazing. It was a great time to be there. My mom came over for part of it. Uh, just every every win that they had, the entire city exploded. They had. Uh, again, this is a 2002. People were putting up projectors to show games in like every neighborhood on the sides of buildings. Wow! Just everywhere you get, when just almost every one of the 50 million Koreans were literally just out in the street on blankets and and pieces of plastic, just watching the games and cheering. Day humming, do 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 boom, and it was. Beautiful madness. Just a lot of drinking, a lot of celebrating. Uh, it, it was a really, really great summer to be there. So all this went down. Uh, my, I traveled back here with my mom, went to the gathering, whoop, whoop. Um, got back over there. And like, all right, World, World Cup's done. We, we made it in the quarterfinals. And uh, now we can go back. No, nobody's looking at us. We can go back to being pissed off in America. So I, I get back, they're trying to burn down our embassy. Mm-hmm. And there's just, you know, a couple million angry Koreans in front of our embassy, which is in the like downtown part of Seoul. This is a place where people go to for business, mm-hmm. for uh, tourism, the the big the the old palace is there, the president's house is there. It's just it's it's just a giant area to have embassies and it, it's hard to escape. And so I, I went up there to check out what was going on one night, like what was supposed to have been the climax of the action. Sure enough, I get up there. And this is like a 12-lane road. And they've got it blocked off for quite a good ways in there. There's all these people that are you know, sporadic chanting from the different groups. They end up pulling in a flatbed trailer. People are shaving their heads in protest. Girls are going all Sinead O'Connor on there. Um, pretty wild. They had one, there, there was like an official protest song. And the entire thing was in Korean except for two English words. And it said, fucking USA. Not fuck USA, but fucking USA. And I would <laughs> not heard it before this night. And I'm just breaking up laughing. And Koreans are coming up to me asking 
where you're from. And backtrack a little bit. I had gone in wearing my roommate's. Uh, he had a Kanukistanian hockey jersey. I was going to be undercover because, like, oh, man, it'd probably be deadly to go in as an American. So I'm going to pretend right. I'm from Canadian. Yeah. So I had had some weird interactions with some people in my Korean language class that afternoon where everybody from Canada would ask me, oh, you Kanukistanian, eh? And it was I'd say, no, I'm from the U.S. And I wouldn't be a dick about it. Like, I had no reason to hate these people. I'm just, no, I'm American. Just happen to be wearing a shirt representing one of your hockey teams and because you know you see new york yankee hats all over the world so yeah. whatever like why are you wearing that i'm like uh, okay could be because i like hockey could be because i like this team it's not and it's not but you don't know that because, yeah yeah could be because it's clean <laughs> right <laughs> yeah that wasn't the issue back then yes sir you're not wrong so i'm walking around in just multiple areas of the city that I visited that day, it was the same conversation with Kanakistanians. And so I renamed their country and their people. Uh, so I renamed Canada, Canada, and if you're from there, you're Kanakistanian. Uh, <laughs> that did not help things later on in the future in my dealings with those great people from that great country. But, uh, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to go undercover. So Koreans had asked me, where are you from? That's screwed, man. Why, why bother with the cover? I'm American. Oh. Again, I'm surrounded by a couple million Koreans protesting, wanting to burn my embassy. Do you know what's going on? Like, yeah. Okay. And they'd bring out, they were all drinking. They had bottles of soju, The, the uh, at the time, 21% Korean alcohol. And they just pop out bottles of that, and they're pouring me shots, and we're at Kombe and slugging and, and going for it and just having a high old time. As long as I said, you know, be honest about where I'm from and say that I knew what was going on, which I did. They were totally cool with my presence. So I, I get in in the middle of this stuff, and I hear the song, Fine USA, and I'm laughing. This is really not a great place to be laughing. Some folks started asking me why I was laughing. They're like, listen! Fucking USA! Like that! You only have two words of English in the song, and you got it wrong. What do you mean? And I'm trying to explain, like, fuck is a very dynamic word. It, it can be an exclamation, it can be a noun, it can be a verb, it can be an insult, it can be an adjective, an adverb. You know, it is, it, it's the one word in the English language. It can be just about everything. It fits every grammatical notch. And y'all used it wrong. Because I was like, if it was just, fuck USA, you know, that's just a middle finger to my country and you're angry at us and that would make sense but when you just say fucking something if I said mm, this is fucking good soju it's adding to it it's not just good it's fucking good so when you say fucking USA we're like yeah this fucking protest yeah so you, you've got the wrong tone here people uh, they did not appreciate my explanation pointing out that they had gotten two words grammatically incorrect but again no problem so all this goes on and there's a whole you know, set up going on through the night. And finally, like, we get to the big push. And they've got all the Korean police out. And the the Korean police and the military, uh, the major well, all of them, almost all of the military and the majority of the riot police are conscripts. You have to do two years of service in Korea as a man. Every able-bodied man's got to go in and do their around two years-ish in one branch of the military or the riot police or whatever. 
And so you've got all these like young, uh, and they usually they break up their university experience to do it, which really sucks. Is they go in, they'll do their freshman year, and then they got to do this for two years. That does suck. exactly. So you, I you've got to hate that, man. I just started having fun. Um, uh-huh. College, my first freshman year of college. Yeah, oh, that would be. Yeah, so they come back and they said that that's why the the marriage difference between men and women they're often two years the men are two years older because they married women that they graduated with because they're very much about their it's a collectivistic society so they're they're very much about our groups right right and, and state within them and uh, so you've got all these like young early twenty something ish nineteen years old guys. Uh, that are in their you know full on cop riot gear, shield, face shields, handheld shields, baton, and they've got this big thick line of cops that are trying to protect the U.S. Embassy. And of course, you know the majority of these kids would much rather be on the other side of the shield, like you know mm. they're out there thinking fuck USA too, but they can't. Fucking USA. Fucking USA. Fucking USA. <laughs> <laughs> But whichever one involves setting that building on fire. Yeah. But instead, they're out there being forced to protect it. And I, I get up there. Somehow, I end up at the very front of the line. Like, I've got a, a couple million Koreans behind me pushing me against their shields. I've, the only thing that's separating me from the, the cop in front of me is his face shield, or else we probably could have tongued. And it's just the idea that. Here they are hating my country, wanting to burn down our embassy, and I'm at the very front of this phalanx of cops. And they started punching and throwing crap. And the I think the, the guy that I was in front of was really not happy with me because they refused to touch me. All the protesters in my area are throwing and landing their punches and whatever weapons they've got are going around me. I didn't even get accidentally hit once. The wow. cops around me, well, and not just around me, every cop there took the full brunt of everything. They just decided they, they weren't going to mess with the foreigner. And so well, I, I got you're out of also the- like three feet taller than them, right? I mean, let's get real. You know, you, Sam is a giant. Sam is very, very tall. I think we've established that. Yeah, but you know, the average. I think I the average Korean is like what, like five, 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 six. The man, you know. So like, you're close to a foot, if not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish more good concerts came to Korea because. I could see everything. Uh, <laughs> in Korea, Sam just has to put his arms up and he could get a, those wavy arm men that you see at used car lots. <laughs> no, no, we, we have we have girls in skirts and high, high heeled tennis shoes for that. Yeah, no, they, they do not want me. They, well, they got nobody wants to see you in girl. a skirt and high, high. Well, I can't say nobody wants to see you in a skirt and high, high tennis shoe heel, but. Uh, True. Fewer than so. Yeah, although you you've seen, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was a great party. I, I drank a lot of soju for free. I I didn't get beat up, uh, despite like being in the epicenter of everything. And you know, eventually it all it died down. I went home. 
Um, they did not ever burn down our embassy. They eventually mellowed out a bit. And, and we never did figure out the whole why, what for is, that these two poor girls died. I mean, it, it was yeah. a horrible thing, but we just... We couldn't figure out. Like it wasn't like the tank veered off and aimed for him or something nonsensical and horrible yeah. like that. They just somehow got in the middle of the convoy and, and died, and it was horrible. Wow. Um, so that that was my first ever protest, and I mean, what? Like with, with an experience like that, it did not deter me from future ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, you you basically were like the. Um, you were, you know, un, you were untouchable, man. It's like you had a superpower, you know. Not only did you tower over everybody, but nobody would touch you, and you know, or for fear of whatever, you know. I mean, I wonder what it was if it was like they were scared of you, or they were scared of hurting an American, which would be, you know, maybe they're scared of reprisal from the United States. But I don't know, or- man. Or maybe I mean, they were just like, really polite. They felt okay attacking their kids. I mean, they just they, this multiple thick line of like you know nineteen to twenty three year old dudes that, that are their their brothers and sisters, their cousins. They felt they felt okay with that, right? But yeah, so that that was that was my clean Korean uh, protest. I, I got out of that smooth. I, I was a little bit lit from all the soju going around. I mean, it, it was, it, as far as protest goes, it was a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, like, I, I, I don't read Lonely Planet, but I assume that, like, protests in Korea are not one of the things that make the book. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, just, I kind of bounced around after that. I'd, I'd make some of them in the, in the city, but, yeah, they weren't usually that big. Um, being uh, the good husband that I am, my Chinese Korean wife told me that, or Korean Chinese wife told me that she'd never been to a protest. It's like, darling, I can fix that. <laughs> so I, I took her up for like a nice, uh, and this is five years ago. We we went up for a romantic weekend in Seoul. Took her to this like, there's a really trendy shopping district called Myeongdong. Uh, it's a big for Japanese and Chinese tourists. It's a giant place to go to. Lots of clothing, fashion stuff. Lots of good street food, which takes me into there. Uh, just a lot of packed back alleys of just crazy stuff. And it's right near the same area of uh, uh, the the big palace, Kyungbokgung, and our embassy. That that area in front of our embassy is where most of the protests go. Just because the the main giant road leading up to the old palace and the president's house it, it's a t road and it ends in front of our place that's in the japanese embassy and across the street from us is a uh, like an opera house and it's a very artsy neighborhood and political lots of embassies in the area lots of really old restaurants from back in the day um and then not far away is myeongdong so we want to do some shopping and hanging out and so I, I decided, hey, honey, since <laughs> since we're in the neighborhood, why don't we go on to uh, Guanghamun, which is the, the name of the subway stop there, and, and do your first protest? Because they were having the biggest protest in the city since 2008 for the anti-beef protest, hmm. which was a lot of poop and nonsense. Anti-beef. Uh, 
Anti-beef. Anti-American beef. Oh, okay, okay. Ah. I was going to say, I love me some Korean fucking barbecue, man. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> uh, now, in, in 08, uh, they had one of the, the most unfocused, nonsensical protests. There's a kind of like a, a Dateline 60 Minutes show there called PD Notebook. Mm. And they had an episode about... Uh, this is back during like the mad cow scares, right? And how some Americans had mad cow, and so American beef isn't safe. And we we import a lot of American beef, and we feed it to our kids in the school. So we need to get that crap out of here now, right? Well, the problem with this is that their reporting was way off the mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Americans they talked about getting or contracting mad cow disease, the human form of mad cow disease. Uh, had gotten it while in England. Right. There, there, there right. was no the problem. Exactly. And yeah. that, there are people that can't give blood because of that. Uh, if you go to Red Cross, I'm, I'm a frequent blood donor, which <laughs> service warning to everybody out there in Weirdsville. Good luck if you get my blood. Uh, <laughs> enjoy those secondhand uh, flashbacks. Hey, it may be the you best will. thing for your body. You might, you might grow some uh, extra antibodies that uh, you never knew you needed. You exactly. will, however, <laughs> fail of drug tests. <laughs> do they do that? Do they test for for drug use? Like when you do that shit, or is it just it's just kind of like, hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm clean. I think surely they would trust for like. Well, I don't think like like acid or mushrooms are floating around your bloodstream. Yeah. Uh, if, if they're smart, they're probably testing for like oxy or you know whatever the the current yeah, yeah. drug. Uh, crisis is but gotcha. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Well, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I think that most people that like voluntarily give drugs, uh, not give drugs, give blood. <laughs> I uh, want to sign up. People that voluntarily that. give blood are people who are you know kind of health conscious and you know think about stuff like that. Not so many, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, you got a good idea there. The the drug bank. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> donate, donate your drugs today. <laughs> you know, there are children in the American Midwest that have never had mushrooms before. You can change that. Be, you yeah, can donate. You could be the first. Yeah. Get, get, get a kid. <laughs> oh my god! And thus ends my foray into PSAs. We went to Myeongdong, this big shopping area. And this protest was nearby, and it was the so we're going back. It was the biggest one since 2008. Where so the, the the actual the story from the story that I deviated from, uh, 2008, they because of the the beef thing, two Korean I think they were middle school girls went up by our embassy and the president's house and all this, and sat in the middle of this boulevard. And, there, and there's like a big median place that has. Uh, a big beautiful statue of one of their admirals that had fought off the Japanese back in the day and it's a big meeting place and so these girls sat out there with candlelight candles and held their own like two person candlelight vigil and every Korean in the country just got behind there like oh these girls are out there they're protesting that they don't want this you know mad cow infested American meat it's not and uh, so the whole country got behind these two girls which I'd like to know what happened to them this you know all these years later um and so, yeah, they, they were protesting us and our meat. And it was just this crazy thing. It was this just giant protest action because of 
uh, a completely falsified news report. And they, they even found out it was later and they didn't care. Well, um, that's yeah. crazy because you never hear ever anything about news being falsified and people just losing their shit over it. Uh, or, you know, news being accurate, but people thinking that it's false and losing their shit over it. You never hear that here in the United States yeah. in 2020. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I've never heard of child sex dungeons and pizza parlors, basements that don't have basements. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. completely unbelievable. Yeah. Birth certificates. No, no, that, that would never happen here. We, yeah. we, or, or giant cult, satanic cults, you know, if we want to go back even further and heavy metal messages. Right? Play Dungeon and Dragons and we'll become a Satanist. Hell, listen, <laughs> listen to one band and you're a gang member. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they had this thing and it was crazy. And uh, so that, that was like some giant protests. So move it around a few years later and I'm out there with Chairman Wife and, uh, we're like, yeah, like, let's go check this out since we're in the neighborhood, darling. <laughs> and she never protest. They had uh, tens of thousands, maybe 150,000 people. Uh, and it was a big, it was a big protest. It was a government thing. There were a whole bunch of different groups, farmers, educators, uh, a lot of stuff going on. So we're kind of getting closer and we just we decided we just have a weekend out in the city. I mean, we lived like an hour southeast of Seoul and kind of kind of like going from Weatherford to the city for a weekend and just a special night out. So I got a room in Seoul just so I could go, you know, eat some street food with her and have, you know, some protest action. Um So our, our hotel was ready by 3. We dropped off our gear. We prepared to go out for a little walkabout. And already at 3 p.m., man, the distant rumbling of chanting reached us as we neared the northeastern edge of this Myeongdong area. Uh, curious, we crossed a busy street, only to find that the police had completely blocked, blocked off the opposite side of vehicular traffic. Eight lanes of desolate street faced us. The rumbling grew louder as we approached what looked to be a massive crowd. Tens of thousands of people had converged upon the plaza in front of Seoul City Hall, which is south of uh, the president's house and our embassy. There's a drizzling rain. We stepped around the throngs of people seated on newspapers, torn apart cardboard boxes, and butt-sized fold-out yoga mats. To protect themselves from the falling sprinkle, most everyone sported a thin plastic disposable raincoat. Business at mobile coffee and food stands flourish, offering coffee, tea, tea, beer, cola, water, odang, their little fishy bread on a stick, dakboki, their rice cakes and a spicy red sauce, uh, cheap hot dogs on a stick, and assorted battered fried snacks. Ever the collectivistic society, people gathered in groups according to their special interests, waving flags, unfurling banners, and chanting together. Many even coordinated their rain gear. Cranes suspended speaker towers 20 feet above the masses behind a small stage. Speakers turn, took turns riling up the crowd. Somebody released hundreds of yellow balloons on the opposite side of the plaza. Uh, these were undoubtedly to remind us of the hundreds of high school students who had died when the Sewol Ferry had sunk in April of the previous year. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, which, well, they they had this boat. It was a school trip. I and, remember that. Yeah, and, but they, they died because it was poorly loaded. It was uneven. And as it was flipping on its side and eventually upside down, the captain was telling everybody, you know, stay in your cabins. Don't go out. And because everybody there is so conditioned to heed the word of authority, all these kids died. The captain got out. But all uh, a couple hundred kids, the majority of the population of one high school died. Wow. And it was just this national tragedy. And this will eventually lead into another protest I got to go to, my last protest in Korea, when they ousted their first female president because she didn't fly down there, put a knife in her mouth, Rambo style, and save them. Uh, you know, crazy, crazy poop that will happen later on. But uh, so, yeah, um, the, the ferry, again, a horrific national tragedy. And so it's never like it's never far from their minds. Anything else that goes on, there's going to be some yellow for Sewol. So we left the realm of relative. We left the relative calm of the plaza and moved north towards Gwanghamun, the main gate to the Kyungbok Palace, the, the traditional king's palace up there. Around the plaza, south of it, sits the U.S. Embassy, the Sejong Center for the Performing Arts, named for King Sejong, who also has a statue there and also uh, cre- helped create the Korean language, written language. Uh, statue of Admiral Yi Sun-shin, who fought off the Japanese in, uh, way down south back in the day, a very genius uh, admiral. Uh, so the president's house is up behind the palace. Protest organizers chose storming President Park's home as their lofty goal for the day. We picked the perfect time to move on. All around us, groups simultaneously rose to begin their march north. I doubt any of them moved very far for a while. Tens of thousands of protesters clogged the 10-lane-wide boulevard, organized once again into groups. I saw a taxi driver and rice grower unions. They'd come together seeking labor reform. Of course, their demands weren't the only ones hoping to be met that day. Besides labor reformists and those still seeking justice from the ferries sinking, others had come to protest a recent decision by the president to begin exclusively using state-issued history textbooks in middle and high schools. A gathering of this magnitude easily attracts unrelated folks hoping to find ears receptive of their particular messages. Several of these took up positions on the outskirts of those gathered at City Hall. The most visible of these was a religious group there to warn people of the, quote, evils of homosexuality. Mm. Uh, they they oh, are mentioned... Oh, 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 Koreans are very... Uh, we, we sold them on white Jesus very early on. Uh, they are very... They're almost evenly divided between Christianity and Buddhism. Mm. Uh, so there, when you like go into the cities, there's red crosses on all sorts of small office buildings where the owners get discounts for uh, giving uh, cheap rooms to churches. So there's a lot of office building churches. Um, but yeah, they, they've gone on the, the far like right side, again, anti-homosexual uh, groups there. And they put their messages in English and in Korean, but they also had like graphically 
uh, explicit photographs of nearly nude men in some sort of like S&M getups. Apparently, like S&M is only for homosexuals. <laughs> uh, they had a lone woman singing hymns into a small PA system. Uh, one of their signs read, homosexuality is the sin revolting against God. So again, they can't even, like, they can surely find like one homophobic foreigner there to get their English correct. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, for years I wanted to go around and correct all the English on menus at restaurants and bars because I have more than once ordered a rum cock from places. <laughs> but, yeah. I've, I've had a lot of rum <laughs> delivered straight out of Atlanta, but just, just let us especially if you feel strongly about something, let somebody check your English. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so this was a day of like protests that you could basically just bring your group along. Everybody's going to protest whatever they want to protest all at the same time. Oh yeah. 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 And this, this was a strange one. Cause it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we're burning down the American embassy protests. It wasn't, yeah, usually like everybody there is in one single-minded group. This was like everybody had their own agenda. You know, we we want lower tariffs on rice. We want higher wages for taxi drivers. Get rid of the gays. Boy, what, what uh, education? You know, we I, whatever their thing was with the textbooks. Yeah, just all this stuff. There were so many like, dozens and dozens of different groups there that had their own message and their own protest. All right. And with, with, with crossed with ballpark uh, foods that are being sold, uh, oh, oh yeah. which oh, yeah. is the way to protest in my book. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Pull, pull some taco trucks and I'll go. God, I was tacos. Uh, <laughs> I, I love their street food, man. I'll okay any day, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they fill up the entire boulevard across, like from our embassy and in, in front of the the blue house and the Kyungbokung, the the palace. Um, so it, the crowd thins a little bit. We get into the sidewalk, and anticipating the largest turnout for protesting in seven years, the police had brought out seven hundred of their buses to use as barriers parked nose to butt along the curbs of these streets. Damn. Were they... The Korean protests in the 80s were phenomenal. They, they during the dictatorship eras, they would have these crazy protests in universities where the, the students would take over the campus and hold, like, the, you know, camp university president prisoner for a while or hostage. Their, their stuff got violent. Like, the uh, what do they call them? Well, now they're the 586. Uh, people that are in their 50s born, went to university in the 80s, born in the 60s. Mm. Uh, they call them 586ers. Okay. Of course, granted, it used to be 486ers, it used to be 386ers uh, for whatever their age they're at. But yeah, these people grew up getting tear gas at university and high, high, crazy protests there. And so this just carried on through the years. So the police know, man, they bring up, like I said, just all these buses and they park them where you, you can't spit between the front end and the back end of the buses. And they've got drop down armor. 
screens across the window fall into place. Just all this crazy gear. And so they they block in where this road ends. They they just make it so you're just trapped in here. And they're protecting, you know, the buildings around. Boom. Uh, they, they halted the advance north to the president's house and the palace. Um, this time, they'd introduced some weird cargo trucks, almost like a fancy bread truck, outfitted with sections of security walls that they deployed once they lined them up across the street. And so all of a sudden, like these walls, like on, on a, a wall, on arms came down from these trucks. And it was pretty formidable. And it took five of these trucks to block the road. And so I took my wife up to the front of this, like, hey, let's just see what's going on. And there was like this dead zone of 10 yards between the protesters and the police wall. And you, you'd see a few people meander up there, kind of checking out the scene. There were some journalists, some randos, had their cell phones, had their DSLRs. Uh, and, and definitely the people that were there documenting everything outnumbered the protesters at the front of this action. Oh, wow. So picking, out, uh, picking the protesters out from the couples taking a strange path on their dates because this is a very like date night area. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't present much of a challenge. Uh, a lot of the people there protesting had their faces covered. Some were, you know, they had their propaganda for their particular group. Looking back to the view of, of this just solid sea of people stretching out as far as I could look, uh, flags waved high above them. People attached them to the ends of these ubiquitous 10 foot long fishing poles that normally use to uh, do some fishing out of their nasty green river that separates the city north and south. One older man gives me a good shove. And so I've, for for a while now, I've had a press pass. (laughs) So I'm I'm a member of the Oklahoma Press Association. (laughs) Thanks to the weather for daily news. Woo woo. Uh, I... I go out and have some adventures. I write up a story, send it to them. I, I get like a free subscription for the year. Uh, they get news that they wouldn't get anywhere else because I'm not, you know, I'm not part of uh, Associated Press, Reuters, any of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just a wild thing that I, I I get this piece of plastic to put in my wallet and get access to things I might not. That's cool. Yeah, oh, it's it's served me well over yeah. the years yeah. on, on occasion. So I flash that out. And they responded with, oh, hands off. Uh, all of a sudden, yeah, if, if I had the pass, man, nobody would touch, touch me, man. Son man say, oh, don't touch. And so some people, like, pulled the guy, the guy who thought I was causing shit, they pulled him off of me as a you know, sinner with a drink in hand. Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's my cocktail hour. Uh, a trio of people eventually ran up to the barricade with a stack of propaganda papers and glue sticks and quickly like tried smearing their paste on there and getting their handwritten messages on there. Uh, a few minutes afterwards, people would come up and try and kick these you know, reinforced barriers and then scurry back to the crowd. We had a small truck of speakers, uh, a small truck with tower speakers on our side. And 
it just broadcasted angry messages to try and rile the folks up with each repetition or shout. And of course, more people started coming up to the wall. The crowd intensified. Behind the barricade, a long arms ex- extended above. Some hydraulic arms looked like they were off a fire truck, except they were painted in the police colors. Each of these ended with a water cannon nozzle mm-hmm. and had a video camera encased in durable housing. The tone and the pace of the speeches, chants, anti-government police and uh, invictives rose until they reached a crescendo marked by the first response from the police behind their barricades. They offered threats of water and pepper spray along with uh, other useful information I couldn't understand with my limited Korean skills. This managed to set the protesters off like a starter's pistol. Crowds of strength broke. Leaders at the front began waving everyone to rush the wall because, you know, that's smart. Hesitant right. folks, folks increasingly gained confidence as each subsequent group to run forward increased in size and boldness. And it didn't take long for the water cannons to hose down the crowd. Everyone but Chairman Wife and I had on rain gear and didn't seem to care as much, especially once they figured out it was only water at this time. People scattered from getting hit directly but didn't go far. More aggressive protesters attacked a handful of officers stationed at the southernmost police bus. Clad in riot gear, they reminded me of some twisted castle wall guard as they repeatedly repelled two groups slamming ladders ineffectually against the side of the bus. Several people swung extremely long bamboo poles at the cops in hoping of giving the ladder crews a chance. And at this point, my lovely, very tolerant wife thought it was advisable for her to uh, find some high ground from which to view the events that I was, you know, decided I was going to stick around for. And what was crazy about all this is that although this is happening in the middle of this big street, it's not like the protests here where things get out of hand and like whole neighborhoods fall. It was in the street and it was contained in the street. She ended up going to a coffee shop on the other side of the sidewalk from where we're at and went in and got a coffee and sat there and watched this crap until it ended. <laughs> that was it. I mean, she was not, she was like 20, 30 feet from the sidewalk. Wow. Wow. So they just boxed. So they brought out all, okay. So they brought out all these, these buses, they lined it up. That blocked it off and they made a wall. What were they just trying to protect or stop people from going further into the city, or were they just trying to contain it all in that area? Or, or like, they didn't want us. They didn't want the people rushing the the president's house. But it was. Ah. A, but I mean, they had to get through the old palace to get there. I mean, of course, you could have just gone around it, but. Hey everybody, you're listening to the What Your Weird Story podcast. You probably knew that already because you're listening or downloaded to the episode off of your iTunes or your Spotify or whatever place you get your podcast from. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to remind you to like us, follow us, subscribe to us, make sure that you get your new podcast episode every week. We'd also like to ask you to rate and review so that we can grow our audience and we can have more friends, we can have more stories. So thanks for listening to What's Your Weird Story.
So let's talk about the Arab Spring because this is really like uh, th- this is a, a huge kind of you know event that the big major cultural change oh, yeah. and, and and huge societal change in that part of the world and you uh, somehow ended up on the uh, front page of the Egyptian Times or whatever it was. <laughs> so. Probably the weather for Daily News, close enough. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was in the middle of it all, but yeah, man, riot like an Egyptian. <laughs> uh, well, so this whole winter, it was my winter vacation for my university in Korea. And um, I usually, I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia hanging out with my hash friends and just, yeah, I, I just had a lot of people spread out. And I finally had a lot of people that were living up in and around the Middle East is so I had eight weeks off. I was like, all right, man, we're going to just go do all this stuff. And now I, I'm not, like I said about the Lonely Planet earlier, like I don't look at stuff beforehand. I book a ticket and I get there and I go to a bar and, you know, talk to people. And I had a, a really good friend of mine from the hash who's, <laughs> she's going to hate this. Her, her proper hash name is Countessa of Anal Crisco. And she was living in Saudi at the time working, um, doing her master's and she had some vacation time. It was going to be in Beirut, which definitely looked a lot different in 2013 than it does today. Yeah. No kidding. Um, man. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Man, that is sad. Sorry. Hearts go out to the people of Beirut. That just Absolutely. happened as we record that happened uh, yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was just, it's just, it's it's wild, but um, but yeah, such we, a city and amazing people, man. I just I uh, it was it was horrific to watch that yesterday. But um, the sad thing they've they've been through a lot, and and they'll get through this, but it, it's going to change them. But yeah, that that's where my my eight week odyssey began. I, I met up with this girl and and a couple of her coworkers. Uh, it was just it was it was a wild start to an eight week adventure because uh, her coworkers it was just, it was these two gay gentlemen that cannot be gay in Saudi Arabia, mm. so they were so happy to have a hotel room together and and you know just be able to hang out, and so they had no interest in her. So like that's right. fine. I haven't seen my friend in a while. So we we went out and explored a lot together and ate some good food and just had a great time. I mean, she she's one of my closest friends. I it was amazing to be able to see her and see her there. Um, so I, I moved on. Like I said I, just, I had friends at this one period in my life just spread out in so many places. Uh, three good friends of mine were living in Amman, Jordan. So I went and hung out with my friend Beth that, like all Beths I know, I never call Beth. Um, and uh, so I stayed with her for a week and went out to the, the uh, went out in the desert and stayed out like where Lawrence Arabia was, out in the Wadi Rum and some like cool. yurts. Uh, it, was, it was really dope. Uh, just drove out with some guy into the middle of nowhere to hang out. I had some really good food, really good people. Um, got to go to, uh, uh, of course, the name would elude me right now, Indiana Jones uh, and Last Crusade. Uh, Petra. The, Petra, thank you. Thank you. I kept thinking of the Parthenon, like that's Greece. Uh, 
Yeah, it went to Petra and it was almost abandoned. I, I've got pictures down there where the only people in my photographs are people who work there. It just wow. had a, a great day there. Just it, it was an amazing time in, in Jordan. Uh, did a weird time in Israel, uh, going across from there on the land crossing where it, getting in and out of Israel were two of the most painful things in my life. Uh, it, it took me going through going to Israel on a bus took over three hours to cross the border because uh, they wanted to know why I was there and where I was going. And my usual answers of because I was in Jordan and you're next door did not work very well. They went through every item I had pulled apart, like almost down to the stitching, every piece of gear I had. And as I'm sitting on a bench at this bus station at the border waiting for them, I write a lot. I've, I've got over 170 journals that I've just filled with nonsensical thoughts. So I naturally pull this out of my pocket and start jotting down notes. And one of the agents uh, at customs comes over and grabs it from me so they can go read it. And they're like bringing it back and asking me like, what does this say? And it was just, it was crazy. So I get in there and eh, mundane week, a uh, couple weird stories from there, but uh, get out uh, going through the airport was hell. I showed up hours early and almost didn't make my flight. Um, Got on at Qatar, where a good friend of mine lived, hung out with him and his wife for a while, all evented in the desert for a bit, saw some multi-million dollar yachts. And so all of this led up to, uh, got through Turkey, got went into Europe, and uh, had a great time in Bulgaria. Finally, I ended up in Egypt. Like, Hell yeah, man, I want to see the pyramids, because who doesn't want to see the pyramids? Yeah, yeah dude. So I've got, uh, it was a hostel that had like proper-ish hotel rooms. Okay. So kind of kind of a combo there. So basically a cheap hotel room in a hostel. And the guys were pretty nice. It was in this, uh, the building was pretty sketched. The, the elevator, you didn't feel like it was going to get you up or down every time. Um, but they were, they were really nice guys. I had a good time there. I, you can buy duty-free booze in Egypt, so I, I, I had some quartz, um, and I'm going to where downtown Cairo uh, is Tahir Square, and on the north edge of that is the the National Museum, like the big museum. So I'm like, all right, we'll start off there, and this is all like a couple blocks from the Nile River. So I'm cruising up there, I'm going down the street, and there's just blockades. Uh, like concrete blocks that are stacked twice my height. Like, all right, well, I chose the wrong direction. I'll go down a different street. Uh, and it, it kept not working out very well. So uh, as I went along, like, people would call out, what's your name? Where are you from? As I, I hiked through the town. So I, third day, I get myself back into here Square, also known as... Liberation Square, Mer Mer uh, Martyr Square, Midan Square, Liberation Square, lots of names. Uh, and it was just, it was filled with tents. It was just this big circle in the center of the city, outside the the big national museum. And there was a banner asking Obama for help. This is 2013. Mm -hmm. uh, for help fighting the implementation of Sharia law, the uh, Muslim law, because women were against having to wear hijabs there. 
And the other people just milling about. Of course, there was the random, because uh, again, this is Egypt. This is the signs, not me saying this. But there are definitely quite a few uh, fuck Israel signs and graffiti tags. Right. Not, not a lot of Israeli fans in Egypt. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to say. There's a, a, quite a bit of a uh, contentious relationship, okay. maybe, between uh, the two countries of Egypt and Israel, going pretty far back, you know. Exactly. So well, even when you go to Egypt, they don't even they, – they won't put – or you can ask them not to put their stamp in your passport. So, like, stashed away in the farthest corner of my bags back in the hotel, I had – my they, they put the visa stamp on a separate sheet of paper for you so i, I had that stash like you you would have had to have combed through everything i had to know that i'd been there beforehand mm, yeah uh, yeah it, it, it would have been fugly so they their vendors sitting around there were nuts for sale and tea and pretzel bread and snacks and of course cigarettes cigarettes everywhere yeah yeah yeah, big, so, yeah. yeah. So I've been going up into this mess for a few days, and I'm trying to figure out like what can I do while I'm in town. I, I take a Nile River cruise aboard a ship called the Lady Diana, and that night I learned what's going on thanks to an Egyptian guide of a Taiwanese man that they seated next to me. And then, granted, there weren't many people there at all. The, the cruise was no, the dinner cruise was nowhere near full, but they were like, ah, well. You know, everybody needs to sit with somebody. So they threw me with some guy that he'd moved. He was Taiwanese. He'd moved to the States in the 70s. And he was just hanging out on vacation. He'd hired a driver. And so we were talking, and, and the, the driver was pretty cool. The uh, Taiwanese-American was pretty cool. And so the driver's name was Mani. And he starts explaining. So we are talking about like, what we've been doing. I was like, oh, I've been going downtown. And his eyes get wide. He's like, "What?" And he's just like, "Yeah, they're they're just they're people down there. They're getting spots. It's a two year anniversary of the what he called the Egyptian Re- Revolution. Mm. And you know, eighteen years later, Mubarak was out of power. And he's like, "Yeah, don't whatever you do, well, you shouldn't have been going down there already. Don't go again on Friday." Because that's going to kick off. That is the second anniversary. It's also an Islamic holiday. And so, you know, mm-hmm. people are going to be out in force. And the Muslim Brotherhood will probably be out. He's like, yeah, every everything imaginable possible for a, a six foot four tall, blatantly white dude with long hair. <laughs> Not the place you should be. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Obviously, I took his advice completely to heart and ignored it. Right. <laughs> As I would Oh, uh, yeah. Of course. All we need is acid. Is there acid or mushrooms in this? <laughs> no, no, I was no. like, yeah, I had whiskey. This is, okay. this is whiskey that would probably, probably would have been hashish, I think. That, uh... Well, I would have been a lot better with that. A little mental expansion would have been all right. But yeah, they they blocked off a lot of this downtown area around the, the square, and uh, at one point, like there's burned out cars already on the other on my side of the blocks. And I'm, I'm again, I'm climbing over like 12 feet concrete walls to get to this stuff at points. Um, finally, like McDonald's and KFC down there had started shutting down. I'm like, oh, that's like 
man, if, if American capitalism can't survive this, what chances do I have? <laughs> Real, you guys are against, you, you don't want a Big Mac? Oh, shit. <laughs> So there, there are some bars like they're they're not completely. It, it's not like some of the other places in the Middle East. I, I did find some bars here and there. Uh, I found a place called Pub Twenty Eight. Um, had some drinks, ate. Finally, I get back to, to here. There's small fires burning everywhere, and I don't understand. Like it's it's the Middle East. Granted, now parts. Parts of where I was at, I completely underpacked as I usually do. I went to some cold places in the Middle East. It was not cold here. It was not bad at all. But there's fires everywhere. And I finally, they told me they had these fires because when the police started shooting all of the tear gas, the smoke and the heat from the fires pull it in and take it out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Strategic. Exactly. Yeah. So just yeah, start a little tiny fire wherever you're at in a protest if, if the tear gas starts flowing. So they had put up a new ten foot tall concrete barricade barricade on parts of the square uh, from the the day before I'd been there, and part of this blocked the path that I'd been taking up for my hotel on a daily basis. And more flags, more signs, homemade effigies hung from the lamppost with care. Uh, Hazel low-grade mace assaulted me. I, I, I had bought a surgical mask off a guy for two Egyptian pounds, about 30 cents. Um, just I, I didn't know what else to do that night. I didn't have my camera on me, so I had my, my well, back then, and it was a uh, Samsung Galaxy Tab, their first... Yeah, yeah, the self tab. So it was a monstrous thing. Yeah. So I just put on some Rage Against the Machine and my earbuds and walked along. People were throwing stones and broken up concrete across, you know, over the the barricades. Um, and then every time you, you start hearing these thump, 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 and it was the tear gas canisters being fired by the police from behind the uh, barricades. So. Well versed in the difference between the sounds of gunfire and launching canisters, I stood my ground. Besides, <laughs> the projectors arced well overhead and behind us where people kicked them out of harm's way. It really didn't help or hurt that I was quite drunk at the time. <laughs> Peering over the middle section of missing blocks, I could only make out the glows of light from indistinct sources. And this is when the wall began to look like a massive outdoor music festival. Laser lights cut through the smoke from vantage points offered by the high buildings on the western side of the square, mixing with the music and chants blaring from a stage set up near the Hardys. They, they had a Hardy. <laughs> Not Hardies, Hardies. You know, with the original. Hey, might I add, with the original Mushroom Swiss Burger, which I still love to this day. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, I was armed with this like little. uh, It was, it was a gift from the hash in Korea that I've been using for years, and it was basically a, a camel bag backpack that goes with me on my travels. And so I bought a camel pack to put in there. And so I, you know, had whiskey and a mixture of stuff. So I'm just walking around covertly, <laughs> taking sips, wow. enjoying the, the scene. So I go home. I 
awake to an eerie scene on Friday morning. Shopkeepers had shuttered most every shop in the city for the holiday and or upcoming riots. Uh, Mats laid out in front of the sidewalks of mosque provided prayer space for those who couldn't squeeze into the overflowing buildings. Mm. I received my second dose of tear gas uh, in as many days. New blockade, even more new blockades had forced me to take a much longer path around to Tahir Square. Located less than an unimpeded five-minute walk from my hotel, the new precautions taken by the government turned my trip into one of over 20 minutes. And that Friday, it didn't begin at the square for me. Instead, I walked southeast to Abdeen Palace, followed a large group of protesters marching into the square, weaving in and out along the way. I followed their shouting and chanting to a smaller square. The energy increased as a second group marched in and joined them. And they were coming in for the final march into Tahir. One of the guards asked to check my bag as I, though I was entering a concert or right. I guess an anti-government protest. I don't know. <laughs> a quick glance at my obvious non-Egyptianness and the disinterested guy gave me my bag and sent me on my way. My bag more or less checked. I wove through throngs of people. The amount of items for sale had increased to include Guy Fox mask, ski mask, and SpongeBob SquarePants t-shirts. <laughs> was that? Yeah. I don't remember it. that. But was that was that like an a, a symbol or something that was adopted, yeah. or is it just that no. was there? Somebody had it, and surely somebody's going to buy it. Uh, Got to represent the pineapple, baby. Yeah. I traded a one pound coin for a large pretzel off a stack sitting on a wooden pole shops ringing the eastern and southern end sides of the square uh, were mostly open including KFC, Hardee's and a Pizza Hut only McDonald's had fully shuttered its door at this point despite being the farthest away from the square of the four the majority of the crowd was having a grand old time, shouting, hugging, chanting, singing, drinking tea, eating. Every fourth person held their cell phone aloft to capture a piece of their respective history. Men climbed lamped, uh, men climbed lamp and signposts to wave flags and display banners. I strolled through the masses toward the path to the Intercontinental Hotel to see how the scene had changed since Thursday, and changed it had. The entirety of the square, including the paths out, had filled the capacity. If this truly had been a music festival, then I had discovered the mosh pit in front of the heavy metal stage. The police had rebuilt the western wall since yesterday. Few people climbed in and danced around like idiots. Instead of a repeat performance of the previous night's laser light show, they chose to focus their outrage on the wall next to and perpendicular to the westernmost wall. So we had a pretty decent light show. I mean, there was no Pink Floyd, no Zeppelin. It, you know, it wasn't a planetarium, but it still wasn't bad. <laughs> I'm expecting anybody out there in Weirdsville who knows why I said planetarium without a T. Uh, <laughs> standing room crowd lobbed rocks and broken chunks of concrete at the police over the wall. Astonishingly, the cops launched their own salvo of improvised projectiles back at us. You'd think they'd have budget for something useful. The back and forth continued until the thumbs of the shotgun-fired tear gas cans signaled the escalation of the party. Demonstrators around me beat a hasty retreat. 
I caught the stampede on my camera. And then one of the last to get back to relative safety of the main mass had a limp child in his arms. Mm. And I, I got a picture of this. Or he, he, sorry, it was the end of my video. Uh, mm. Paramedics were on hand to quickly treat the child. But that guy coming out of the smoke with a kid in his arms running towards me uh, was going to be the picture on the front page of the main Egyptian newspaper the next morning. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like I said, I just, I've got this video of him running out of this cloud of tear gas with this limp kid in his arms. And boom, I was like, wait. The next morning, I saw a newspaper. I was like, I, I recognize that. And it wasn't until I saw my video later. I was like, oh, yeah, because I got the same shot, but, you know, 20 feet from behind the photographer. Wow. Hmm. Which was nuts because the whole, this whole event, if you go back and look at like all the, the photography from it, the video, if it has a Western name attached to it on the byline, it's from the, the hotels that are up around this area as they do it from the safety of their rooms or the balconies, right. whatever. Anything that's ground level has a very Islamic, Egyptian, Middle Eastern name attached right. to it. So yeah, I think I think I'm the only person with a byline during those days that had a, a non-local name. So yeah, I probably shouldn't have been out there doing this. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's one of those things too, where it's like it could go, it could be, it could go either way. It's like really? you know, because you're caught in such chaos that there may not be. They probably don't give a shit about what you're doing, but. If for some reason something were to happen to where you were taken into custody or something like that, it could have got a little dicey. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I, I didn't know. I mean, hell, I was I was a, a very very young man at this time. I mean, hell, I was only in my mid thirties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Had yeah. to, had to, huh? Of course. That's right. As I go through, like people were wanting to take pictures with me because I was the only honky there. Right. Uh, people kept holding. The, the big thing for pictures that weekend was, uh, or for selfies, I guess, was pictures of yourself holding spent tear gas canisters. Uh, I, I tried to grab one or two, but they still had gas coming out of them. Uh, <laughs> drink with a British dude back of the hostel. Um, you know, just had to you know get get the uh, tear gas out of my body, so we figured whiskey would handle that. Yeah. So we tried to watch Al, Al Jazeera English broadcasts and get an idea of what was going on from outside of what we could see. Right. Um, I said screw it. You know, at this point, fairly drunk, I put my surgical mask back on and got out on the street. Went back <laughs> into the at all, and it was just. White clouds. You couldn't see. You couldn't do anything. So I finally returned to the room for the night. But yeah, it was just it was it was horrible. If you've never been tear gassed, uh, it's not the greatest thing. Yeah, I remember the reports that were coming out at that time about how um, people were helping because they shut down all forms of communication and like the internet, like they shut it down. And they were like figuring out ways to get the information to these guys 
on how to rig their phones or something. It was like they'd rig their phones up to get onto the internet or something. I I don't remember exactly, but it was like this whole thing where it was like one of the first times in, in human history where like, you know, we were able, the people were able to overcome, you know, a massive shutdown of communication by, you know, people, you know, contacting them, I guess, through their phones somehow and figuring out how to get the information. I was really a heavy time. Yeah. I, I remember that pretty, yeah. you know, pretty, satellite translation and right. no laws against them scooping up the info. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Wild. And that and that was just a couple of days into it, man. I, I took a day off because, like, well, I still, like, I didn't come here just to get tear gas in Cairo. Right. I took a day trip. I hopped the train out to Alexandria. Wow. Uh, to How was gra- that? Grabbed a drive. Alexandria was amazing. Yeah. Because, again, during this time, there's hard, the closer I got to Egypt, the less people there were. Mm. So I had a really quiet day. I just, I hired a taxi driver. And I went around the Roman Theater, the Citadel of Quite By, uh, Palace, uh, El Murisi Abu Abbas Mosque. I mean, it's just, it was a hell of a day. Um, took the train back into Cairo as night fell. And of course, by this point, things had started turning worse and worse. Right. Uh, only a handful of people came to meet me out of the dense haze at the end of a quarter mile long, clear stretch of this road in this usual Disney business district. Tiny fire in the middle of the street, tended by a teenage male, was the final landmark before the street opened onto the square. It would be generous to say that it crowded thin to a third of Friday's night capacity mob. Relating it again to festivals, it looked as though the majority had blown their wad the night before. Like there's multi-day festivals, there's a hangover night, and this was right. it. Yeah. yeah, both sides, civilian and government, had stepped up their respective games before the morning and had brought with it a slight reprieve, if not at least a period to regroup and recoup on both sides. That was Saturday. So, sorry, that was the Saturday. Of the next day. Okay. Yes. And. Uh, so yeah, it just it was like a quieter day. You're thinking, all right, here we go. So I'm I'm checking out, you know, again in the center of all this craziness, and uh, I'm on the southeast side of the square. I'm gonna take a couple pics before I head back to the western wall where all the madness had been going on before. And some guy in his, you know, maybe late twenties, early thirties comes up to me, and uh, he asks, "American?" Yes. And this ended up kicking off a 40-minute educational conversation between this gentleman named Sharif and I. Uh, he told me about studying, having studied in Europe and having lived in Australia and having had a Danish girlfriend. Uh, he, he's a lazy bastard. He only speaks five languages. Shit. <laughs> 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 like, I, I can... I can embarrassingly, I, I speak English, I can embarrassingly order off a, re, a menu at a Mexican restaurant. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, ah, five languages. Oh, that, good, good. Uh, one of those moments when you're like, oh, I'm so American at this yeah, point. Yeah. 
So he decided that he was going to educate me and what had been going on. And, and he was just so surprised to see a honky in the middle of this craziness. Because, mm-hmm. again, I was the only dude down there. Mm-hmm. So there's like little fires burning. He's the one who told me about the tear gas. Right. He warned me about because I I decided I was bad on my way home. So don't plow through the middle of the mob like I'd been doing. Violence had started going off in the last day or so. Uh, I guess I'd just been lucky. And now, like, civilians of the opposition had started infiltrating the party and upsetting the scene. There had been fights. People had been getting stabby. Uh, he mm. gave me a very stern warning about venturing out of the square. Uh, around us, folks angry that vendors were trying to use this event to scrape out a living manhandled most of the push carts out of the square to the dismay. And then he started telling me a story about the past. So he had been out two years ago for a very different scene during the Arab Spring. And uh, I was like, so what, you know, what was different between now and then? Well, while it's easy to make a comparison because that one had dragged on for more than two weeks, he did tell me his story after buying us both glasses of tea from a nine-year-old's push cart. The kid drew our tea from one of those like three towering stainless steel tanks while dangling a half-burnt cigarette from his mouth because <laughs> everybody smokes. Again, I I asked like this, this is not just me because I'm not good at ages I, for children. I from the time they're born until the time they can either get me a beer from the fridge, mix me a drink, or drive me home drunk. I'm not sure what their ages are. <laughs> But I, I made sure to ask. Like, he's like, no, this kid's nine years old. Wow. Um, he decided he would educate me about what had happened two years previous. Mm-hmm. And he whips out his wallet. He takes out an oversized business card. And it had a passport-sized photo of another 20-something-year-old Egyptian man on the front next to a load of Arabic script. Uh, the back showed rows of tiny headshots amounting to more than 20 people, maybe two dozen people. And he told me that the big picture on the card was his brother and that the others are people from his neighborhood that were murdered by the police two years ago. Uh-huh. So he went on to explain how he, his brother and a friend had come down to Tier Square during the 2011 demonstrations to show their support. Police snipers began firing on the masses. People split. Uh, Sharif and his friend lost the brother. And then Sharif took a shot from the police. At this point, he paused and he looks around. He says, okay, it's dark. You are man. He unzips his pants, pulling them in his underwear down so that I could see what looked to be a second belly button in the pubic bush just to the right of his baby maker. Mm. <laughs> they shot me with rubber bullet. I couldn't walk for two months. Yeah, he took a rubber bullet wow. into the thigh just right of the junk. Oh, my yeah. God. So, like many families ensuing in insanity in its aftermath, his family couldn't find his brother. Mubarak left office 18 days after the start of the protests. My new friend Sharif's brother wasn't identified until 28 days later. 
sitting in a room for four weeks and made it incredibly difficult for numerous people to identify their respective family members. Replacing the card in his wallet, Sharif wished me well and turned to leave, visibly upset, but still with the energy and determination needed to fight the system. Swiveling, he asked me how I planned on getting back to my hotel when I got around to living. He immediately nixed my plans to go south after skirting the coils of barbed wire laid out across most of this area. Now, I had traveled this road multiple times daily due to the lack of people on the street. Mm. Plus, I like the, the walls of graffiti extending 200 plus yards. Sharif said that the absence of people is exactly what made the street dangerous. He'd heard tales of small gangs beating and rolling people bra- uh, braving the lonely street. So I was like, how should I get home? Go through the square center and go to Corniche. Uh, the Nile Corniche is the road running the length of the eastern bank of the Nile River. Wait, didn't you tell me earlier that the square was dangerous? Yes, but you'd be okay. So we, we bid each other well and parted ways. I continued to walk on through the square, feeling the weight of the discontent around me. Again, tear gas just, you know, proliferated. No one molested me, but neither did anyone stop me for a picture this time. Mm. Tear gas thickened as I closed an uninhabited quadrant. The gas was the heaviest I'd experienced. Liquids poured from all five holes on the front of my face. I push through to the Nile. I mean, if you haven't, if you've never been like well tear gassed, it it turns you into a sobbing child. I mean, yeah, your 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 eyes start watering. You start just having streams of snot coming out of your nose, and you can't breathe well through that. So then you just like, all right, I'll just open my mouth, and then you're drooling on top of that through your open gaping mouth. Mm. Yeah, it was very pleasant, very yeah. sexy. Uh, yeah. So I've gone into this mess and, and it's uncomfortable. And this is the worst the tear gas had been through all these days. And at this point, I was like, all right, I've gone too far to turn back. And especially thinking, like, well, his, Sharif's ideas here, this is, you know, I, I should go this way. I'm taking his advice. I mean, he showed me his testicles, he's right. got me on the level. Yeah. So I continue. Yeah. So so basically, <laughs> uh, right here, we need to just pause and say that if you need to get Sam to do something and you want him to actually follow the instructions, you've got to show him, show him your balls. When in doubt. All right. I will not. Just in case, everybody, if you meet Sam somewhere and you're in a, you know, the middle of a protest, just, you know, and if you're a man. If, if, there, if, if there's a flat earther listening to this broadcast, show me your testicles. I might join your side. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I could go full out, man. Flat earther and that like Nazis are living in the Arctic uh, Antarctic mountains that surround our flat planet. You, know, you name it, man. I could go in. This. I need a test. <laughs> <laughs> oh, careful what you wish for, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm glad this is on the radio and it's not a video. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I lie about my size. I'm actually five foot two. 
<laughs> Scar across my eye like Snake Plissken. You forget that we've uh, we've posted images of you already for this. <laughs> Those are deep state, not real at all. I'm a leprechaun. <laughs> so I, I decided to walk on the backside of the Intercontinental Hotel. And this is my escape plan. I'm trying to get towards the Nile River so I can go south and break back into my hotel. And there's six teenage boys hurling rocks at a contingent of police officers in riot gear more than 100 yards away from them stationed along the Nile River. My sudden presence surprised them in more ways than one. I, I offered them remnants of the water that I had on me. They took a break from throwing rocks and concrete to chat with me for a while. I explained that I was just trying to get down the road where you know their ineffectual tosses were landing. And so two of the guys told me, yeah, just go ahead, approach the cops with caution. Two of them advised me to wait, and two said nothing. So I took the former pair of advice. I just started slowly advancing. Just going down a couple hundred yards of the street with my hands raised high above my head. And again, there's just a whole line of cops with weapons pointed at these guys 200 yards out throwing rocks at them. People don't throw rocks 200 yards. It was nonsense. Mm. So I, I get a ways down. Can't see them, but I can definitely see the weapons pointed in my direction. I started feeling actual fear for the first time that week, despite all the crap I'd been through. So one of the boys finally like shouts at me to stop, and I, I, I turn. He's like he waves me back. So I, I reunite with this group of kids, and they tell me, "Hey, yeah, the police will leave after five minutes. Like there's only there's only a few of us here, and we're not doing anything but rocks." And like, yeah, they would have shot you if you kept going. I said, "Dude, nice job. I like you." The best scam I'd experienced so far. Uh, the other scams I experienced are hanging on the bathroom wall at my mom's house. Uh, so sure enough, officers got out, marched south following their uh, armored SWAT vehicles a few minutes later. My, my new sort of friends waved as I took off to follow their empty spot at the end of the road. I got nearly maybe a half the distance and all of a sudden, I started hearing, like, crackles behind me. The boys had returned to throwing rocks in my direction, which, you know, weren't going to hit me. A couple did roll past my feet. But, yeah, they just, I guess, just people who like to throw rocks westwardly. So I got on the Corniche, the Nile River Road. And got through different groups of police stationary, you know, checkpoints, whatever. Uh, they looked like the, the edge of a war zone. Finally got back to my hotel, finished what I had to drink and passed out. I wake up the next morning. It's my last day in town. And it was, well, I guess I wasn't used to getting up that early, but I had to fly out. There was an uneasy quiet. So I get my luggage on the street. I grab a taxi. I'm going to the airport. And, of course, like I couldn't have just like one last moment of quiet. We started getting, going through the crowds, getting tear gassed again through the car, going through the, the armored police vehicles. 
shattered concrete blocks necessitated a detour through this mess. Uh, and this dude's battered. And, and when I say a taxi, like there's a lot of cars that are quote unquote taxis. And again, these, these are in the, the the beautiful days before Uber and Lyft and Grab and Snatch and whatever the fudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just it's this guy with a car. Yeah, that right. I paid money to take me. So his battered behemoth, you know, got us under an underpass where people were shouting and tossing projectiles. Yeah, they don't know what we're doing. It's just, hey, there's a car. Throw shit at him. Yeah. Uh, we get through that. We get through another police barricade. I finally, finally get to the on-ramp of the October Bridge. And I got, for one last time, to see the muted activity in Tahir Square as the people milled about coping with the early rays of light of a new day, looking forward to yet another day of struggle for peace uh, and rock-tossing that uh, would be difficult to bring about. Yeah, it was it was a wild wow. trip. Wow! I did get to see, granted not in that I did get to see the pyramids in possibly one of the most majestic ways ever. Yeah, there were no terror, terrorist, terrorist, tourist, any of those people. No terrorists. <laughs> That's cool. I I got to go out to the pyramids, and the guy that my uh, my hotel hired for me as a driver that day. He takes me out there, and if you ever just look at pictures of the pyramids in their relation to the town of Cairo, mm-hmm. yeah, there the city goes to the edge. It's insane. Like you think it's on this, you know, majestic desert emptiness wasteland. No, it the city ends at the gates. Wow, wow. And as we're driving out, he passes by an apartment building. He's like, "That's where my wife lives." Uh, we are first cousins. We met at the family reunion. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair are, enough. How close are you able to get to the uh, to the pyramids themselves? Like, you're not walking up to them or anything, are you? Oh, absolutely. So oh, really? The, okay. The Great Pyramids, at any given time, one of them is closed for uh, rehabilitation, uh, repairs. Right. Right. And so, luckily, the the Great Pyramid was open when I got there. And so, you, when I got in on the, the I want to say it's the South Gate, where, where all the housing is, where you go from neighborhood to entrance. Okay. And so, I got in there, and the guy lets me out, and he's like, all right, I'll meet you. You're like, you'll know where the end is at. It's this giant park. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, he's like, yeah, I'll find you. I'm like, oh, shit, man, I hope. <laughs> I, I trust you. Um, but he was connected with the hotel, so I was okay. So I get in there, and they make you take somebody with you. Mm. Uh, and, and not because it's official policy, but it's like the scam policy. Mm-hmm. So I've got this elderly dude with me. And this is at a time when there's no tourists. I mean, crap is not happening because of everything going on. Right. right. So we walk out through the sands, and he does point out some things, and so I've already I'm having to pay to get in the park. I have to pay this guy. And he's like, hey, that's the Queen Chambers. And he barely speaks any English. And uh, so he's trying to tell me that's the Queen Chambers and you know a little extra you can go down there. I'm like, well screw it. I'm like, how many times am I gonna be in the pyramids? Right. Right. 
so we crawl down there and it's because it's i don't i don't know if this is a sexist thing but they put the girls underground Uh so we had to go down and it was basically like just sliding down i wasn't sure i was going to be able to get back up yeah and you're just in a hole in the ground holy shit there's no decoration you're just like oh shit I'm underground in Egypt. Right. Uh, which is still pretty damn cool. Right. Yeah. We get out, I get to the pyramids, and he finally realizes, like, I'm not really into him. So we, we depart after I, I gave him his the tip that I had to give. And uh, I we go into the I go into the pyramid. And you know, the pyramids are not made for tourism. It, it, it's a a tomb that yeah. right. somehow these great amazing leaders are supposed to come out of. And I I wish one of them had, because I would have liked to have known how they'd done it. I mean, think about it. The thing was filled with traps, right. although people got around that and stole most everything in them. But uh, what we got to go into was this like 45-ish degree angle pathway up where they've put like some ladders down in there. Because again, you're not meant to enter. It was basically like climbing up a slide that had maybe one or two flat spots to get there. Right. right. And it's hot. I mean, even though it's winter there, which doesn't account to a whole lot, but it's still just, you're in a stone monument above ground in a desert. And it's it's not there's no airflow. Right. It's yeah. just nasty. And once you get up into the tomb, it's just this giant room that has like black walls and some construction spotlights in there. And the sarcophagi where they took the casket out of. Yeah. So it's just it's a carved stone box with no decoration. Mm. So like right. oh. Like, I've sweated my balls off and bumped my head because I'm a big boy. Got up in here and it's just a concrete toy box with nothing in it. No decorations anywhere in there. Wow. And then you got to try and get back down. I mean, it was still amazing. Like, I've right. been inside the center of the pyramid. Right. Yeah. Falls out. I loved it. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you're 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 in your mind. You're expecting like you see the the hieroglyphs and all the f- stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen my, my family. We went to uh, man, Tutankhamen. He was in uh, was Chicago Museum when we were kids. Yeah, and I've and I've seen him in in, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Like uh-huh. I've I've seen like these glorious yeah. pieces of Egyptian history. Yeah, and now I'm in the center of it, and it's just a black room yeah. with a couple of electric lights. Wow, and I'm hot. And you get people in there. It, it was really funny because you got people in there with cameras that are trying to figure out like what they can take a picture of, and there's there's nothing. Yeah. Well, it's probably if what was there has been stolen and put in museums. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's if you want if you want to see the good the good parts of the inside of the pyramids, you got to go to the museums. Right. Yeah. But so many people have been embalmed and entombed, uh, like people on so many levels of the the governments back then and they they've yanked them all out of their eternal homes uh then when you go into that national museum there on the north side of tier square they've got on the second floor literally just stacks of the the tombs just all all their their you know king tut boxes right just like four and five high because they're just like well I mean, do you really want to check out the decoration 
on an accountant from Egypt 2,500 years ago. Yeah. So he's from the bottom. But yeah, it just, it was nuts. Like how many of these are, because if you get to see King Tut, you're like, holy crap, like this thing is so gorgeous and so amazing. And, and it's so, and and he is unique because he was a Pharaoh, but for the most part, all the, the underlings and they, they have like decent sarcophagi. I mean, there, there's a lot of beautiful work there, but it ain't nothing to the, you know, gold inlay gem freaked out stuff that the big wigs had. Right. But, Without having known what that was, these others would have been insanely impressive. But instead, they're just stacked up on the top floor of the museum with very little identity. That's wild. That's wild. Man, Egypt is a freaking. It. I mean, goes without saying, obviously, that it. It's a. It's a marvel, and yeah. and they and they can it. It continues to really, you know, there's so many. As much as we know, there's so much that we don't know. I mean, especially when it comes to the construction of the pyramids and uh, just the the amount of um, the, well, that's what I was going to say. But I mean, just how how we could if if you believe that we 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 constructed those, the human beings did. The the amount of precision that is there is just unreal, and that they're still there. And they're still positioned in that way. It's just insane. And how many of them there are? Because I mean, the ones we like, we know about the great the the pyramids of Giza, but mm-hmm. off to the side of that, there's the earlier pyramids yep. that make the pyramids we talk about look like children. Right. And they're trying to re you know rebuild those and and get them rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing to walk through those. They're a lot smaller, but holy crap. Did you get like, the, this? Is where older, like you guys, you're you're the new kids on the block. Of God, <laughs> I'm gonna take the dog for a while. Yeah, it's it's not just to think about the age of these things and that they're still there and that they've survived. Yeah, and we don't. We think we know some things, but right? We, you know, yeah. Did you see the? They the, did not leave their manuals. Did you get this to check out the Sphinx when you were there? Oh, yeah, because they're they're all in that it's all there. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, and it was just so glorious because until I got out of the pyramid, there was nobody there. I mean, I walked that desert area by myself with, with the guide for a while. Uh, I just I got to do all of this by myself. I got to listen to the wind crawl across the sand, and uh, yeah, it was just it was nuts. And I just I had clear views of everything. That's awesome. That is really yeah, how, how far how far away is the Valley of the Kings from the pyramids? That I don't know because I did not make it down there. Yeah, I think it's quite a quite a ways, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good travel. It's a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially that, that for back in the day. The valley was not. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Cool, cool stuff, dude. <sighs> Incredible. Yeah, and what a story. Say, Barry. Yeah. What's the weirdest job you've ever had? Yeah, that's a good question. It would either have to be the time that I worked at a cattle feedlot, or the time that I worked for a Greek painter. Were you his model? 
Uh, not quite. You know, it's funny because one of my weirdest jobs was being in a model in art school. But it was portraits, not full body nude. The reason I'm asking is because those jobs may be kind of normal, but we know people are out there that have weirder jobs than that. Maybe you're a mortician. Maybe you're a scientist trying to bring back the dinosaurs or the woolly mammoth. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. If you guys out there have weird jobs, unusual jobs, crime scene photographer, maybe you worked at an adult educational film set. If you know what I mean, wink, wink. Just something that's unusual, out of the ordinary, and, you know, a little bit weird. Hey, those are cool stories, too. We'd love to hear those. So give us a call or an email or whatever. You know how to get a hold of us. Be part of the community of Weirdsville. Korea's first president. Uh, take three. <laughs> female president Park Gumhe. Uh she was all right, man. They they got her in, and you know people were excited. We have our first female president because they they've had some crappy presidents. Mm. Uh, there was this guy named EMB who had been a corrupt mayor of Seoul, like noticeably corrupt. Nobody debated the fact that he was super corrupt. Then they elected him president, and surprise, he was a corrupt president. So they they spent a lot of time protesting him. (laughs) Oops. Uh, So they they elected this woman, and she seemed to be all right until the boat sank, the Seoul, and people freaked out about that, and uh, just, again, it felt like she was responsible for it, and she definitely wasn't. Uh, and, and things went south from there. So there was this massive protest to get her out of office, and it actually worked. She she got kicked out. She was impeached, thrown out of office. Um, and so I went up to one of the protests for that, one of the big pushes in the same area where I've done many protests in the past, Chris, you know, I'm up there flashing the OPA press card, um, and I'm alone. I've got a backpack full of drinks and just trying to figure it out. It's cold. It's winterish. <clears throat> I've been hashing that afternoon, so I'm not entirely sober. And I get up in lines, and they, when you get up to our embassy where they've had these buses making like a, uh, there's a horseshoe shape on the North end of the street. They didn't have the horseshoe. They, they had it leading us off to the West, like corralling us uh, with all these police buses parked, you know, butt to butt, face to butt, whatever, no space in between to walk them. So it's just a corridor. And these people are protesting. They're angry and they're angry at the police defending her for protecting her. So people were just putting stickers on there. Now that this is 2016, mm-hmm. 17, okay. the, the age of social media and everybody, you know, you got to put your pictures out there. So like people are on dates with, you know, the guy taking a picture of his girlfriend, slapping a sticker on there. Families are out with their children, like pushing their little like five year old up against the bus with a sticker, taking pictures of that cute little protest. And and they literally like they'll sticker the entire side of the bus where you where where they can reach. <laughs> you cannot see bus. Just sticker. 
So you go through this, and there's people. Back in the day, they used to sell uh, wax candles in little paper cups and for like a buck a piece. Now they're selling LED light candles. Uh, people are still selling snacks and booze and party favors. And so we're, we're going through all this. And I get up, they, they've moved it to where it's off to the side of all this area. And I get into this protest and I was like, well, let's just see how far. Because this is the first one in Korea where I actually had a proper press pass. I'd had a, <clears throat> an unmarked paper one before. But now I had like a plastic with my face on it. And so I just start walking to the front of the line. Just, hey, it's me. What's up? Oklahoma Press Association. And then, <laughs> oh, American Press. Apparently, we didn't think this one was that important. So they just kept pushing me to the front. And it turned into, it was just a spectacle. Like one, instead of like an O2 when they were beating up the cops who were protecting our embassy, they understood that the police at this event, you know, they didn't want to be there and they respected that at one point like a girl like a college age girl jumps up from the crowd with a rose and gives it to one of the officers and you know it, the people like sat down and got angry at the other people who didn't sit down so like the violent what what little you know what if you want to call it violence that was there was refracted back or reflected back to their own people instead of the police uh it, it got really weird but they, they put me at the front because I had a press pass, so they thought I was somebody. And then at one point, I just got to walk through it because there's a whole neighborhood behind the police that it's these historic old houses. Well, I say historic. I mean, since the war. But but it's very protected housing because it's so close to where the president lives and and they weren't letting people back there. And so I just I just walked around. I got a beer or soju in my hand, press pass in the other, just walking around checking out all this stuff. And, you know, you'd see a couple people that lived there that proved that they lived there getting through the lines. And it just, it wasn't all that interesting. So I go back through the police and back to the front and it's begin and just people talking, not the most interesting thing in the world. So I've decided I've had enough. And at this point, I live far, far southeast of Seoul. I need to catch one of the last buses out or else I'm going to be stuck there for the night. So I go back through the, the corridor of buses that I'd seen before. And at one point, somebody had gotten up and spoken out about the police and how we're not here because we're against the police. We're here because we're against the president. And we shouldn't have. We shouldn't assault the police. We shouldn't have done what we've done to the buses. And so, you know, let's let's undo that. So as I walked out, you know, on the way in, everybody's stickering the buses with protest stickers. On the way out, everybody's out there with credit cards, scraping it off. And it, but it was exactly <laughs> That's wild, the dude. They had their kids. They're like, all right, you little son me, here's a credit card. Scrape that shit, bitch. And so they were taking like pictures and videos of their children scraping off the stickers that they had just a few hours before told them to put on. <laughs> and you know, the guys and the girls that are out there on a date night, you know, that had been slathering these things with stickers are out there with their cards, scraping them off and again documenting it all. And the police hated them for taking off the stickers 
because they could have just gone on with a cannon later and sprayed them off. Mm. But with them taking the credit cards to them, they're scraping the paint off. So the worst <laughs> damage done during this protest was when the people were supporting the police and screwed up all their buses. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's a nice t-shirt you got on there. Oh, thanks, dude. It's brand new. Do you like that? It's one of the official What's Your Weird Story t-shirts. Where'd you get that? It's funny that you ask. I just got it off the brand new Spreadshirt.com site for the What's Your Weird Story podcast. There's no www. You just go straight to shop.spreadshirt.com backslash what without the apostrophe W-H-A-T-S hyphen Y-E-O dash w-e-i-r-d dash s-t-o-r-y and that'll take you right there i mean you can never own enough clothing well that's true barry there's t-shirts for the ladies because you know they're cut differently there's hoodies which are really cool there's two different kinds of hoodies and there's also tote bags so you can tote your stuff that's so cool man so if you guys go out to spreadshirt.com what's your weird story currently there are two designs but there will be more going up very soon so just keep your eyes out for that and if you decide to get one of our shirts tag yourself on instagram to ours or facebook show your love show us what you got let's see your true colors well i think the thing that we've learned so far about sam is he's no stranger to chaos he he embraces it he walks into it he leans into it and that's part of what we love about him so much (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he walks into it with a uh, a cup in hand. I love it. So. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, man. And I think getting to experience something like that in a different country, it really does help give you perspective on things and the way things are done in in, in your country. You know, and uh, and you know, like we talked about before, in these times, we need as much perspective as we can get, and so it's it's nice to have uh, some stories that are you know, from a different point of view. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his wife, uh, you know, the fact that he decided, well, Hey, why don't we, why don't we go checks? Why don't we go check a ride out? You know what I mean? <laughs> let's go see, let's go see what happens. And they consider that to be a fun time is a great, that's a great, great, <laughs> great way to spend some time together, you know, bonding. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a nice, uh, a nice date night. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for Sam, for Sam. I know. <laughs> I love the fact that they, they're selling concessions, you know, during <laughs> yeah. the protest. It's so great it's it's, what an american idea you know i know right you know our our far-reaching uh ideas of capitalism are you know embraced by the rest of the world yeah it's funny it's not least parts of it yeah uh, yeah dude and how just how different you know it is that uh how you know just that the things that take place you know um and just you know how the different approaches to you know who people uh, that the people that are protesting are directing their anger because right. it is all anger and fro- frustration and that's what all protests are about you know yeah. we're angry about this thing and you, people aren't listening so you know this is what it is so you know we're going to get loud right you know right and um and mostly mostly controlled you know yeah. and, so and that's but, and that's uh, a that's a human that's a very human reaction to something that yeah. you don't agree with man and and yeah. we we need to stand behind that idea uh, across yeah. the world 
you know. Um, but yeah, it is. It, it's, it's interesting because it seems like what he was talking about there in Korea, it was like they had sort of the designated area where we can get loud. You know what I mean? And it was like, it's just such a different way of thinking about, right. you know, a, a, you know, an approach to things that uh, I think it's great. It's great, man. Yeah. You know, I think I agree, man. I think if we had a more of an idea, because I mean, technically we do have the right to, we have it to peaceably assemble and, you know, in protest, you right. know, but of course yeah. all it takes is one person to say, oh, well, I don't think this is not a peaceable assemble or assembly or anything like that, you know? So, I mean, if you allow people to demonstrate and if they do it properly and you allow them to do it properly, you know, we'll get more done. Right. And, it, you know, whereas, you know, unfortunately things kick off, but you know, you do have agitators, the yeah. people who are, you know, yeah. agents of chaos, people yeah. who are a work for, you know, or anti protesters who want to make, uh, stir the pot and make the protesters look bad. But, you know, I mean, that's, again, that's our here, what's happening here. Yeah. But, you know, and, but the, the, the thing, the fucking USA, that just made me laugh, right. you know, <laughs> fucking usa it's almost like it's almost like you know a surf song right like you know right or something yeah i remember the first time i heard french kissing in the usa uh i had a friend who had a shortwave radio and we tuned into like some european uh, radio station and uh i even though that it sounds um very naive and sort of um at the time, it sounded risque to me. You know, it was like right. French kissing in the USA. Like, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's provocative. You know, I was like right. 10 years old or whatever. I'm hearing this yeah. and I'm like, what in the hell are they talking about? You know, but uh, I can't think of anything, anyone more prepared for these kind of weird situations than Sam. And, and yeah. you know, like when he was in Egypt and he just like decides to go down into the craziness that was going on yes. there. I mean, that was a real volatile time. That was, I mean, it was, it was safer than the previous year, you know, where the, when the actual uh, Arab spring, when shit really went down, right. but still it was, it was not crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, safe. It wasn't, a, yeah. you know, in, in, I mean, you know, like he said, the, the foreigners were not going, even the press were not going right. down in it. Yeah. You know, and then he met, they made that friend who showed him his, uh, his groinal area right, and his, uh, yes. second belly button. From uh, <laughs> second belly button located yeah. down in his uh, nether regions. Yes, yes, but uh, but you know, and how that guy, his how his brother, you know, I mean, it's just sad stuff. But yeah. like, uh, oh, and then then the kids, <laughs> the kids who were like throwing rocks at him and then letting him pass and then throwing rocks. Right, just, right. You know, just it's just I mean, knowing Sam, and I hope that everybody listening to this. Uh, has got a feeling now of knowing Sam a little bit where everything is possible when Sam That's true. Man. His, yeah, his po- life itself. Is Possibilities just- are only a thought away, you know. <laughs> he's a man of action, Sam. So, yeah, but yeah, sure no, is. he's great, man. And we've really, we've really, uh, we've tapped that resource uh, while we have him and we're so appreciative of him, you know, yeah. taking time to come hang out with us and you know, just the hours of stories and uh, lunacy is just, uh, it's just, it's just fun. It's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. There's so much, anytime we talk to Sam, 
minimum we spend three hours yep. uh, on Skype talking yep. to him. Yep. We have to cut so much of it out. So. Many, uh, many random things. Many. We've got, we got into a discussion on K-pop uh, that we're going to yeah. we're going to save that for right. Spin Jamorama, yeah. Or, yeah. or something. Yeah, man. You but, want uh, you want you want you want to hear some uh, middle aged white dudes talk about some uh, <laughs> <laughs> K-pop? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, hey, on that note, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up for the week, and we will uh, see you guys next week. We have next week, Barry. Uh, we have uh, Bubs, Bubs Harris. You oh, remember cool. Bubs? Yeah, man. Talk to him, Bubs. Uh, it's rare that you get an email from somebody that says uh, they want to come on your show uh, because they had they had to kill a man. And yeah, so, right. uh, but Bubs is also a, uh, a, com- a, a comedian, a touring comedian. So there's more to that story. Yeah. Because not, it, it was his friend that he had to kill. But don't worry. <laughs> it ends, you know, it not, ends in a good not, spot. <laughs> it, it ends in a good spot. It didn't like, you know, without ruining it, I don't want to ruin anything, but don't worry too much until next week. But uh, it's a great story. It is. Everything's fine. You know, Bubs, is it, this isn't some secret confession uh, that, you know, we have to turn him over to the police. Nothing like that at all. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a wild one. It is. And it's fun. So, uh, it is. So, yeah, join us next week for more of your, uh, your weekly weirdness. And until then, be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. Stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.